Hi Spurs people, this is the Steve Perriman podcast and this really is the Steve Perriman podcast because I've got no help from Howard, um, I've got some office help from Tom um, but he's a bit busy so he's got other things going on in his life as well. I think the pair of them are so shell-shocked after Paul Trevelyan last week that um, I don't quite know where they are. Anyway, I'm on my own, and this is sort of back to where I started uh, around about the start of lockdown, when I just used to talk and not be asked questions or not asking questions. I just gave my opinion on certain situations, and uh, so I'm going to try that uh, this week. Uh, I'm also doing it this way because I want to get it out quick and um, I'm going to be away all tomorrow, which is Friday. And then although I do come back on Saturday, I'm going to be uh, packing to go to um, Birmingham, uh, sorry, from Birmingham to Portugal on Sunday and then fly back into Birmingham to uh, attend a good friend's 80th birthday party. So. Yeah, it's not a normal week, put it like that. So I thought I would talk about um, the fact that I left school at 15 and a half and I got into the first team at Tottenham 17 and a half. Um, it seems as though everything went well right from the off. And when you look at it, like I just said, it, it, it did in a way. But um, so no bumps in the roads, no know this, know that, know the normal problems. Um, but actually, it, it wasn't that smooth. And although you may have heard some of this within my podcast so far, or even read a bit about it in the, my book, um, I don't think anywhere I've really covered it um, to the extent that it deserved covering. So um, take this as a, a sort of... A, a story of someone being developed by a big club, signing for a big club, being developed and uh, eventually making it into the first team and being captain and you'll know the story. So I was scouted by Tottenham Hotspur um, as a 15-year-old and uh, I'd had three, three to stroke four years in activity football-wise um, other than what you do outside your house and over the park with your mates and stuff like that. So it was no, um, no organized football uh, because I went to a grammar school. I followed my two brothers there, a place called Elliot's Green Grammar School in Northolt. It's now joined in with another school called Northolt High. Um, so I just dropped out of the football scene. And then um, for some reason, a new sportsmaster put us all in for the district team. I got into the Ealing district team and it sort of flowed from there because Charlie Faulkner, the chief scout, happened to scout that game. Just something to do, just covered the game. Ealing versus Harrow at Salvatorian College and uh, liked what he saw of me. And then that afternoon, instead of going to his professional scouting job, he decided to seek out the Perryman household and, and knocked on our door and 
made a case for me signing a form and maybe one day joining Tottenham. Um, my eldest brother, Ted, who was a mentor of mine, great mentor in lots of ways. Uh, so he would have been 19. He made the case to Charlie that I wasn't going to sign this form. And why should he? Because you don't need to sign a form to come training. So that it was a stress in itself. So the school situation was the stress because during that year, I progressed quite quickly from Ealing to Middlesex schools, to London schools team, to England schools. And because I didn't sign that form, um, then I'm available to be watched and approached by any club that wanted to. They weren't doing anything wrong by approaching me. So we had lots of people around the house, lots of top managers, lots of chief scouts, all making the case for their club, why, why I should join them. And to be honest, I was never, ever going to leave London. And I, I actually was never going to go in digs anywhere. So um, ironically, I decided to join the first club who knocked on my door. And that was Tottenham Hotspurs. And I'm, I'm very, very satisfied with the decision I made. And um, I did hear a bit later that uh, one particular club had offered some money, which is against the law. Um, but my parents and my brother kept that from me because they wanted it to be a, a football decision by me and not influenced by money because we lived in a council house. Maybe, maybe I could have been thinking, well, my mum and dad could do with the money. My dad was a Coleman and my mum was a mum. I've said that many times before, a normal, typical mum. Um, my dad worked his legs off delivering coal up and down stairs or early in the morning till late at night and all that stuff. So, so trust me, they could have done with the money. But anyway, it wasn't in my thinking because my family were good enough not to put it in front of me. So I signed at the end of this very busy year for Tottenham Hotspur. The school angle to this was that I, having gone to a grammar school, my mum apparently signed a form that said I was going to stay into the sixth form. And the school, when they heard of my decision to leave at the end of the fifth form, um, fifth year, uh, they put pressure on me in a number of meetings, uh, pointing out what happens if you get injured, what happens if you this, what happens if the club get fed up with you, and all right, all, all, all things were correct, actually, what they were saying. But for a young lad who's who's not sure what else he can do in life, and they thought that I was university material, and I'm not sure that I was. So um, this chance to, chance to join Tottenham Hotspur, the famous Tottenham Hotspur that I'd been aware of, of Bill Nicholson and the, winning the double and winning the, the cup two years on the on the spin, being the first club to win a European trophy. And, and all of a sudden I've got a chance to join this, this bunch. And having said that, it's a long way from my home. And I think I've told you before that I traveled two hours by train and bus and walk 
two hours there, two hours back. So it's four hours on the, on the day. So that was stress in itself. The first stress, so I'm out of the school stress. I've, I've sort of ignored the teachers, please. And they did try and make it difficult for me by, by seeing, they couldn't stop me leaving school, but they could stop me being registered by any league. And eventually they backed off of that one. Just imagine if I'd have left the school, training every day for Tottenham or whoever. And yet at the end of the week, I couldn't play in the Southeast Counties. I couldn't play in the Metropolitan League. I couldn't play competitive games because they were sort of holding back on my registration. So anyway, thankfully they backed off that. So um, I joined Tottenham and I'm told to report on this certain day. So I've left school, probably two days later, I've turned up at, or maybe a couple of weeks, I've turned up at Tottenham the first day of pre-season training. Tottenham in that, that summer had won the, or May had won the FA Cup. So it was a, a very positive club to join. Uh, but of course, I'm going to be nowhere near those players, Dave Mackay and Jimmy Greaves and Pat Jennings. I'm not going to be anywhere near them. I'm going to be with a group of apprentices. And as an apprentice, you were 15, 16, 17, or maybe 16, 17, 18. Three-year apprenticeship, and you could be turned pro after two years. So um, what the club didn't tell me was that the apprentices started back a week before the professionals, rightly so, they're apprentices. But they didn't tell me. They told me the date of when the professionals started back. So I don't know if anyone knows about this, but when you're an England schoolboy and it's been written in the papers that, you know, this is such a great signing for the club and this shows the, the club's intent to make players that they, whether they have or they haven't, the, the press are saying they haven't produced players in the past. I'm now joining a bunch of young players a week later than they started back. So you can imagine they thought this this arrogant flash youngster that played for England schoolboys, so thinks he he's a great player already, thinks he's going to make it, um, is now being treated special. And they probably thought that I got a you know some sort of monetary inducement to sign from Tottenham, which I didn't. But that's not for them to know, or they're thinking I did. So I turn up on my first day and a bit early, of course you are, your first day, I walk into Dole's Calf on the high road there and some of the young players are in there and they sort of ignored me, which is, which is okay. And there on the wall, nothing else was on the walls, no pictures, no nothing. There on the wall was a newspaper cutting from the previous Sunday paper. I think it was the Sunday Express. That was saying how what a great signing Tottenham had made, and this player was called the next Johnny Haynes, and etc. So everyone, and that's where the players went for their early morning cup of tea. Everyone who walked into that cafe was going to read that newspaper cut, and even if they didn't read it on the day that it was put out. So I'm now embarrassed by that. I soon find out that I'm back a week later than the players of my same age, 
the, the other apprentices. So now I'm under extreme pressure and uh, a group of, of players can let you know that they're not happy with this, they're not happy with that, they don't like how you've been treated, etc. And I'm 15, I'm 15 and a half. I'm, I'm not used to worldly ways. I'm from West London. I'm not a North Londoner, so I don't know the local ways really. So this is this is quite a lot to take. And so when you think I lost my focus at school because of all this interest in me, now I'm going to where the focus is, football, and I'm not really being accepted. So um, life started to be difficult and it was to get more difficult because after about three or four days at the training ground, Cheson, summer, the training's hard, the training's morning and afternoon. And at the end of a double session, you're then going back to the club and you're hanging the kit up and you are doing jobs. And so my day was from seven o'clock in the morning when I left my house. So of course up at say six till seven o'clock at night. And again, I've told you before that the number of times I fell asleep on the train on the central line coming out of London to Northolt, the number of times I woke up at the end of the line, West Ryslip, and my surprise, where, where am I? Anyway, of course, I've got to catch the train back to Northolt and then get on the bus home, etc. So uh, things weren't easy. But after about three days, the call comes from the first team end of Chesant Training Ground to the youth team end that Bill Nicholson wants to speak to Steve Perriman. So all the young players I'm in the dressing room with, my own age group, 15, 16, 17, 18 year olds, and young pros up to about 21, 22 years of age, they're all saying, what does he want to speak to you for? I don't know. So I go on, go and see him and then come back and tell us what he wanted. And again, they saw this as me being treated special. And in a way it was. Tottenham won the FA Cup, 67. Celtic had won the European Cup. And there was a, a pre-season game arranged between Celtic and Spurs up in Glasgow. And the vibes were that there's going to be over 100,000 people at this pre-season game because of the success of the two clubs. And Bill, Nick, Bill Nicholson told me that the, the cameras are going to be there to interview the players and first-team players. But while they're there, the cameras, they want to interview a young player about the life of an apprentice footballer. And I've said, you're going to do it, Steve. No. no. What? Bill, no, no. I'm thinking about the reaction of the other players. And by the way, Bill, uh, I don't know the life of an apprentice professional. I've only been here three or four days. Well, I've said you're going to do it and you're going to do it. So now I have to walk back to my own dressing room. Now I've now got to make up a story that, or did he want me? I can't tell him about the TV cameras. I can't. So I said something like, oh, my dad hasn't signed a form. I've got to get this form signed. So 
anyway, I sort of got away with it for a little while, but when the TV cameras eventually come down and I'm pulled out of my training with a young group to go and talk to a camera, well, you can imagine the stress, the pressure. And so much so that I, for a couple of nights, I couldn't sleep with this, thinking about the reaction of the other young players. So um, I'd go and see Bill Nicholson again, which is unheard of for a young player to ask to see the manager, but I did. And he said, Steve, I've said you're going to do it and you are going to do it. I'm sure Bill wasn't aware of the stress that this was giving me. So anyway, you get through that. The only saving grace was that pre-season eventually finishes and then it comes to games and winning and losing and your form, etc. Can you carry the load of being picked in the youth team above other people or do you deserve to be picked? Can you play or not? They're making judgments on me all the time in training, but we all know there's training players and there's match players and the very lucky ones are good trainers and good players on matches. So a bit later on, um, now we're three months into the season, as ever on a Friday morning, we'd go in, get changed. We'd be out onto the track around the pitch first and we'd do a couple of laps warm up and then uh, we would do a series of sprints. You know, people that old time supporters would know where the alphabet was, where they would put the half-time scores. So um, all of a sudden, Bill Nicholson comes out and he's walking towards us and everyone's saying, the manager's coming. The, the manager's coming to talk to us. On a Friday, this is unheard of. Anyway, so, well, on most days it was unheard of. So all of a sudden, he's now talking to me in front of everyone else. And he said, Steve, um, have you got a suit? Yeah, I'm thinking, where's this going? He said, go home, put your suit on, be back at King's Cross Station. We'll meet you on platform 15 for the 3.30 train going up to Newcastle because Cecil's not well, Cecil Poynton, the physio, and you are going to help him push the skips. Okay. Bill walks away. Can you imagine what the other players are saying? Why has he picked you to do that? Why are you special? Why... Why should you travel with the first thing? So I think I said, do you know what? I'd rather play for the youth team tomorrow as expected than travel with the first team to Newcastle. Whether that was right or not, I, I don't know. But of course, a young player training to play football wants to play a team game and play. He doesn't sort of want to watch, albeit it is the first team and you're surrounded by all the the stars so um i think that if i'd have told bill nicholson and eddie bailey or maybe i did tell them in later years they would have said something like well it didn't do you any harm steve did it it sort of it gave you a a, a a stage to 
to have to cope with. It was, it was, you had to cope in that group, bit of young players. You had to cope when you went to Newcastle and being with the, with the superstars. And therefore, it was sort of character building. I don't actually think they did it for that. I just think they did it because hopefully they rated me as a player and they were showing me some care. But when you show care to one particular player, it really doesn't do him any good with, um, with the other group of younger players. And, you know, I think I told you before that I took, it took two years to get into the first team, which was unheard of. Do I think that's because Bill Nicholson liked me? No, I think he liked other players more than me. But did he like my game? Yes, he did. And therefore, like any manager picking any player, he's not going to pick that player if he doesn't trust what that player is going to give him back in a performance. So... Of course, it all sort of worked in my favour. I said I got to the got to the first team, and um, which I'm delighted to to say that I did. And because I was in early, and I stayed in to quite quite old, not old, but quite old in playing terms, I managed to play the most games of any player at Tottenham Hotspur. So, um, you know. When you, when you join a club from England schoolboys, there's you can you're all the time told you haven't made it. I probably played fifty games in the first team, and Bill saying, "Steve, you haven't made it. You haven't made it till you played about two hundred games for us at the top level." Then I think you can not step back, not 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 calm down. Then you can think, well. I'm having a career. And if I carry on the same way, that career could be could be successful. So there's lots of reasons why young players don't, don't make it or don't fulfill the potential of, of how they looked at 13, 14, 15 years of age. And one is, is just a natural sort of growth, your body shape. If your body shape is looking like it's good to be a professional footballer at 15 but at 18 you become rounded and you put on weight and every time you get an injury you you put on weight that then it's got to be knocked off and sweated out so my body shape was obviously good and stayed good and it meant I could get around the field which is a midfield play you needed to do um, I was very lucky with injuries, and yet I'm going to put a rider on that. Um, albeit it only took me two years to get into the first team. I had a back injury or back problem for about six months, and uh, which meant I played and then I didn't play and then I rested. And then again, can you imagine what the other players are saying when this is happening? So I, I, I'm not sure it was an injury. I think it was the stress coming out of my body. And travelling four hours a day on a bus and train doesn't help that when you're, you know, if you've got a bad back, you can't do anything. Um, certain injuries, you've got a fat ankle, okay, you're going to limp. You've got a bad back, you can't get in and out of cars or buses. or you, you're, 
it's murder. So, you know, that that was a stress in itself. So I had the I had the school stress and the pressure from deciding which club I was going to join. And I probably bought that on myself because I took too long to decide. You know, I turned Spurs down to sign the form in the first month. Maybe I could have said yes after three months. And then all that would have stopped. All the, the managers in the house and coming to speak to me and impress upon me how good their club is. Um, I, of course, decided to leave school. So there was a stress in that. I couldn't do anything different. Um, with the young players because I wasn't clever enough. I wasn't, didn't want to be clever enough. I just wanted to be under the radar, not special, just be special on the on the game day. That's when I wanted to be special. As per my work rate, my consistency, my industry, my, my mentality, um, but certainly not highlighted by the manager picking me out to go to Newcastle or picking me out to do an interview on TV for a kids' programme about something I didn't know anything about. So um, it, did, it did strengthen my resolve. Um, mentality and purpose are such a big thing. Um, I was talking to Aussie Ardealers the other day, and mentality and purpose. Um, and we, when we're thinking about developing players, we're thinking about, developing their skills and their touch and their eye and their passing ability and their all these things well maybe mentality and purpose are sort of missed out a bit and you know if you can do all those other things but you haven't got the right mentality or you haven't got a strong enough purpose inside when I talk about purpose I never believed that I wouldn't make it if you'd have asked me, Steve, do you think you'll make it? I don't think I'd have said yes either. But I never believed, I just never thought about not making it. So there was a there was a sort of direction that I was going in and, and Bill Nick's words would have been to all of us, not just me, just do it right every day. Just try your best. Just train your hardest. Just practice the things that you need practicing if you get a chance to to have spare time, go and practice those things. And um, yeah, so I believe I had a bit of luck, uh, not with the back injury, but other injuries. I didn't get the typical knee injuries. I didn't get the typical ankle injuries very much. Of course, I picked up some, um, which is lucky, but that's also about technique. I think my body shape helped my ability to be strong in the tackle and again, cover the ground and, and, and put the work rate that you need to go through the teams. Cause no one's, no one's going to pick a lazy player. No one, you, you know, Glenn Hoddle was, was sort of rated by some outsiders as a lazy player, but you know what? He wasn't lazy. He wasn't, he, he, he had ability to make sure that he didn't have to do the running my type of player had to do so um so yeah so the, the biggest bit of luck i had was joining tottenham hotspur despite what i've said about bill nicholson put me in a situation um he was the best man the best manager that i could have joined uh, because his club was 
in his image. Honest. Um, work was looked upon as a, a good thing. Work hard. Work hard. I've said it before. Steve, work hard. Do it right. And the money will come. Don't worry about money. The money will come if you just do it right. And he was absolutely right on that one. And um, so a, a big chunk of luck was on my decision to join, I'd like to say Tottenham Hotspur, and it is Tottenham Hotspur, but it was any club that was being run by Bill Nicholson. Because he gave you the right values uh, in the game and in life. And he gave you an integrity of how to play the game and how to conduct yourself. So, um, so yeah. So despite all I've told you about the stresses and the strains and the back injury and the, the mental anguish at times that I was put under, um, it worked out for me. So I'm, I'm happy to say that. But were there any bumps in the road that I mentioned when I first started this? Yes, there was. You've got to be strong-willed. You've got to be strong-minded. You've got to be purposeful. You've got to be strong of, of body to take the hits and come back for more and not back down to anyone. And, um, you know, I, I spoke about these, these couple of years as an apprentice. Of course, when younger people were signed underneath me, then they get a little bit of this. But I think I was kinder to those new players joining than some players had been to me because of what I sort of went through. And that's not me. That's not me being soft and fluffy. Um, that I do, I do aim at certain players in this modern era. I, I wasn't fluffy. I wasn't soft. But when you're 15 and a half, and you're from a different part of London and you get shown to be. Other people thought I was special, even though I didn't think I was special myself. So hopefully that gives you a, a bit of an insight into developing players and why some players don't reach their potential. What could go wrong? And um, the obvious one is you know, injuries. And, and I played with lots of players who ended up getting injuries and finishing their career. My, um, yeah, the odds, the odds on an apprentice making it to a professional, but then into the first team and into a first team of the stature of Tottenham Hotspur is less than 1%, one, less than 1%. So, there must have been some ability there. There must have been some mentality there. There must have been some luck there. And whatever it was, you put it all together and it worked out for me. And 800, nearly 900 games later, I can tell the stories. But, um, but when I speak to Phil Holder, which is almost every day, we speak about the moments in the past when we were growing up in football. Um, of first team players talking to us nicely or not and the coaches or the trainers as they were called in those days putting a bit of extra pressure on us that you know I, I lent 
a great deal on Phil. Um, Phil was a, I think I told you, that Bill Nicholson used to call him chief, and he was a leader, and I was led by Phil. And and um, again, that's not because I was soft or fluffy. It's because I I needed help, and I needed someone to follow, and I ended up being a leader and players following me. So it uh, it all worked out in the end. So thank you for listening. Hope I haven't bored you. Um, good luck at the weekend to our boys. Manchester United, fantastic result the other day against Everton. I thought Everton were particularly poor. And uh, Frank Lampard's got a hell of a job on his hands there. Um, of course, I'd like to see us a bit more consistent, but when a new manager comes in, he is improving most of it, but not all of it. And when an opponent highlights the bit that he hasn't been able to work on yet or improve it yet, then we are going to be shown up as ordinary, which which has happened. So, um, so no trophy this year, and you won't be surprised by that because of the number of trophy less years we've had. But um, it's still our club. I'm still loyal to it. It is it's my club. I don't own one penny in it. I don't own one share, but it's my club. And um, yeah, I hope that. Um, I hope that the, the powers that be at Tottenham respect the supporters and um, and if they do respect you and you feel respected, then you'll show loyalty back to the club. And so, well done. So got a bit heavy this, but anyway, thank you for listening. I'm going to have a very good week in Portugal, get a bit of sun on my back um, and then come back to join in with Tom and Howard. Uh, to do another podcast probably in a couple of weeks time so come on you Spurs let's get some more points let's put pressure on the people that think they they're going to be in the top four um, and I'm sure that we'll we'll give it our best shot so thanks for listening and see you soon bye <laughs>